Welcome to the Weight Solutions for Physicians podcast, the podcast that helps you find solutions for your weight concerns that will last a lifetime. You've got this. This podcast contains general educational information on weight loss for physicians. I am not providing medical advice and listening to this podcast does not create a physician-patient relationship. This podcast does not replace the need for consultation with a licensed professional and no information should be relied upon unless you have obtained specific advice or treatment from myself or another physician. Please review the terms and conditions located at www.weightsolutionsforphysicians.ca before continuing. Welcome to episode 195 of the Weight Solutions for Physicians podcast. I'm your host, Siobhan Key. Thank you so much for joining me today. Okay, today we are talking about rejecting diet culture. I was thinking about what is it that I do and how did I come to my approaches? And I know that sometimes when I'm talking about things like nobody should be telling you what to eat, those sorts of philosophies that I have, we're so ingrained in diet culture that maybe for some of you, you're like, this seems so odd. Why should I do this? And I thought it would be helpful to walk you through how did I come to that? Because I didn't always preach that sort of thing. That's not always the approach I took. Actually, when I was first starting with obesity medicine, I took a very prescriptive approach to eating and a very kind of classic diet approach to weight loss for my patients. And I want to share why I ended up where I did and why I think this way of approaching weight is so much better than the other ways that I did, why it creates so much more ease and sustainability. So that's what we're talking about today. My tip for today, the quick tip at the beginning, I was going to talk about difficult patient encounters because it's something that's come up. We've coached around in some of the coaching calls this week inside Thrive Academy. Then today I was like, okay, if I'm being totally honest with you guys, I think what I should actually talk about is how to pull yourself out of a funk. And I'm going to share this a little bit vulnerable because I think that it'll help. I'm sure there are some of you that are in a funk too. and Hearing my tips and how I've been approaching this today may be helpful for you is what I hope for and why I'm sharing this today and why I decided to change the tip. We'll talk about the difficult patient encounters in another episode. I may actually do a full episode on that because it's such an important topic. I have been in a funk this week. I don't totally know why, but my mood has been kind of trending downwards. I've been having more anxiety, like waking up like, (gasps) I'm so far behind type anxiety. And like last night, it kind of reached a pinnacle where I'm like, we've gone out for a movie with the kids and I didn't actually enjoy it. Then when we came home, I was just feeling really stressed out about nothing specifically. And I was just noticing my brain just going after me and like just driving me and pushing me and being like, you should be doing more. You should have done more today. You should feel better. All this stuff. I actually said to my husband, like, sometimes I just feel like I want to break from my brain. I just want to shut it off because it's totally, I can tell, is driving the anxiety and driving the lower mood. So what I did last night is I kind of just let myself feel not great, wasn't a super fun night, went to bed, went to sleep, trusted that things would be a bit better in the morning. That's often an approach I use. And then this morning when I woke up, I felt pretty crummy, honestly. And I had a lot of stuff I needed to do. I needed to coach the fellowship group, which is my ongoing group of physicians that I coach early this morning. And I needed to record a whole bunch of videos for another section inside Thrive Academy for Physicians, which I'll talk about in a bit. And so I kind of needed to, I'm going to say, get my head on straight. And I say that because it's a term I use for myself that feels good. 
and feels empowering. So what did I do? Number one is when I first got up, I did some journaling. And I think if you're really struggling and you find that your brain's going after you in not nice ways and your mood is low, don't do this in your head, do it on paper. I sat down and I wrote all the stuff that my brain's telling me. I'm like, I am telling myself this. And I wrote, and it was not a pretty list. It did not look good. It was not nice things. And then once it's written down, you can look at it and you can be like, okay, is this stuff actually true? One of the things my brain was going after me about was I hadn't done enough today or this week. I hadn't gotten stuff done. But the reality is I actually did a lot. And partly I think why this week was a hard week was kids were home, right? They're done school. So they were in the house. Plus I was on inpatient call and it was a heavier week of inpatient calls. I got called back a few times. There was more complex people. I had to do some home visits this week. There was more medicine demanded of me this week, which means there's less time to do my other tasks like recording videos for the program and writing emails to all of you. All of those things got pushed off, but that's what my brain perceives that I wasn't doing. I didn't get enough done because I felt like I was behind in that stuff. And you'll notice it was totally ignoring all the stuff that I actually did do that was really valuable, that helped people, that was an important part of my week. But it was biased, right? When we're in a low mood, our brains are biased. So I wrote it all down. And then I looked at it and said, okay, just because I'm saying it doesn't mean it's fact. Then I wrote just a couple quick little affirmation statements like, everything's working. Everything's going to get done. I'm doing a good job. Just thoughts like that. And just to counter what my brain was saying to me on default. And that helped. Coaching my fellowship group actually helped too. I always feel like I love coaching you guys so much. And it really builds my spirit talking to physicians and helping them with their weight and with their own life. And so I always feel more replenished after a coaching session, which I did, which was good. And then my brain was like, okay, we need to start work, right? We need to get going on all this stuff. Clinically, I didn't have to be in the office today. I had to round, but I wasn't in the office. But what I made it do is I said, okay, I'm not doing any of that stuff. I'm going for a run because I need to do something for myself because I need to pull myself out of this. I felt a little last night like I was in a bit of a nosedive, heading to not great places with my mood and with possibly some burnout. So this morning, I prioritized me. It was not easy to do. My brain worried I wasn't going to get stuff done. It meant I went and rounded a little bit later than I normally would. It meant I'm recording this podcast and I recorded the videos I needed to do later today than I normally would. But it was so important. If I'd chosen the other route and I just stuck with, okay, get all the work done and then you'll be able to do something nice. I don't think the quality would have been as good. Plus, I don't think the run would have worked as well because what I needed this morning was not to work more. It was to give myself permission to do something for me because I hadn't actually done much of that this week. So I'm feeling better. I also had a bit of fun stuff with my kids, had a fun lunch. And then I came back and the whole time I was slightly panicking, honestly, because I was rounding and had the kids to take them to the library and stuff like that. And then we met my aunt that was in town for lunch, which was lovely. But in the back of my brain, that piece of my brain that wants to work so hard was panicking a bit about how am I going to get it all done? I'm going to be so far behind. So what I needed to do is just keep talking to it throughout the morning of it's going to be okay. We're getting this stuff done. We're going to enjoy these opportunities to do something fun and we'll still get the work done. And that's helped. I'm feeling better. I've accomplished some of the stuff that was bugging me through the week that I hadn't gotten to, which does help too. But what I would encourage you to take away from this is giving yourself permission to pause all the I need to be doings and ask yourself, what is it that you actually need? What is going to help you 
recover a little bit so that you can do those other things with more clarity, with more ease, more presence, and more kindness to yourself. Now, like always, anytime I talk about mood, if you're really struggling with your mood, if you are thinking thoughts of hurting yourself in any way, please, please, please reach out for help. Call one of the physician crisis lines, reach out to your primary care provider, tell a friend, tell a loved one that you are struggling. Physician suicide is a real significant issue in our profession. And if you're listening to this and experiencing that at all, know that it's okay, but help is available. You don't have to do this on your own. I just wanted to do that little plug in case you're listening and you're in that state, please reach out for help. Okay, so that was my little tip. How do you pull yourself out of a bit of a funk? Well, you be nice to yourself is the short version, even when it feels like there's a lot of stuff you've got to do. You find ways to be nice to yourself, to address your own needs instead of just addressing everybody else's needs. Okay, I mentioned that I was recording videos for Thrive Academy for Physicians, and I wanted to talk about it a little bit because I'm excited about these videos that I was just recording. I have wanted to create a section for more than a year now. That's like a problem-based learning type section. I remember when I was a resident, I found a medical textbook that was like a symptom-based textbook. So it's like, if somebody has tingling fingers, these are the things that may be going on. If somebody has abdominal pain, this is how, so it's all like the assessment approaches and then investigation and management approaches. And I really liked that standpoint of instead of having to think of what could the disease be and learn about the disease, you look at the symptom and you learn about all the possible diseases and you learn about all the possible management. And so I think that that's a really fun approach for things like weight loss. So within Thrive Academy, I've already done a bunch of videos of the basic essential skills for losing weight while thriving for creating ease in weight loss, for managing things like cravings and the step-by-step approach to losing weight, as well as common pitfalls and things like that. This next section that I just recorded today is challenge-based modules, which means it's a whole section of if I'm dealing with this, I go watch that video. If I'm struggling with eating in the evenings, I go watch that video. If I've started to regain weight, there's a video for that. If I'm wanting to work on my alcohol intake at the same time as I'm working on my weight loss, there is a video for that. If I struggle with PMS and it really impacts my eating and my weight loss, guess what? There's a video for that. So this section is a section that's not meant to be watched sequentially. It's meant to be there for when people need it, for when you need it. And I think it's something that makes Thrive Academy super unique. And I'm really excited to finally have been able to create it. Like I said, I've been thinking about it for so long. And I think it's like really powerful, good videos. They're short. They're all less than 10 minutes, but they are packed with tips from a lot of years of experience of coaching physicians around these different topics. Okay, let's talk about rejecting diet culture. And like I said, when I first started working with obesity medicine, And even in my own weight loss, it was all about diet culture. So diet culture can be a few different elements. Sometimes when we're talking about it, we're talking about the concept that a thinner body is a better body and that thinner bodies look better and everybody should be thinner. That's one way of talking about diet culture. When I'm talking about it, I'm talking more about this is how you lose weight. There's a right way to lose weight. You have to follow a specific diet. You need to be very careful with it. If you fail, if you make mistakes, it's a big deal. 
you're never sure if you're going to keep the weight off or if it's just going to come back and that's out of your control. These are the things I think about when I talk about diet culture. It's all bodies are equal. I want to say that up front and having a body that holds weight versus having a body that doesn't hold weight does not make you any less or more of a person. Losing weight does not change your inherent value. So when I'm talking about how I used to approach things from diet culture, those are not the things I'm talking about. I'm talking more about the specific tools that I used to teach people to lose weight. So I taught initially a very prescriptive diet. Initially, I used a partial meal plan replacement, which has evidence for helping people with obesity, helping people lose weight. And it works. It really does. Except this is what I ran into. This was well before I was coaching is I was helping people lose weight with this. They did well initially, and then they started to regain weight and finding it hard to continue to follow the meal plan replacement. And I hit a bit of a wall, honestly, where I'm like, how do I help them? Outside of just telling them, we'll just follow it anyways, <laughs> which didn't work. How do I help them? Now, in line with this, I was trying to still lose weight myself, and I was struggling. I was doing Weight Watchers, trying to follow those rules, and I would cheat the system so extensively <laughs> that it wouldn't work, and I would feel like I was wasting my money. You've heard me talk about it before, but I hired a coach that suggested low-carb eating, which was a good idea. But the way they went about it didn't work for me because they went about it, well, just don't eat. Just don't eat it. If you want it, just don't eat it. And it didn't work for me. I felt really frustrated by that answer and felt a lot of stress and probably shame because I couldn't stop myself from eating. I didn't know how at that point. If I wanted the carby food, I didn't know how to stop it. I didn't understand why I still wanted the carby food. And then when I first started coaching, a lot of those things morphed in that I had more skills to help people figure out why they wanted the food they did, help them eat more sustainably. I shifted around the time I started coaching, maybe slightly before I shifted my obesity medicine program to a low carb approach because I felt it had better evidence. And I think that was one of the best decisions I made because it did help people have more sustainability where they're able to maintain weight loss longer with less perceived effort. However, back then I was still pretty prescriptive with even the low carb approach. I felt I had to teach them what that was and how to do it. Over time, as I started to coach physicians and started to work with more people, what I saw is that the more prescriptive things are, initially they help. Initially, there's a sense of relief of like, oh, okay, it's great to just know what I shouldn't eat. Thank you. But then over time, it bites you in your butt a little bit. It comes back to get you. So what initially seemed like a relief to be told, okay, just don't eat these foods. Just only eat these foods. You'll be fine. It starts to feel uncomfortable. It starts to feel a bit like an extra stress that you're carrying. You may start to have resentment to the person that told you to eat that way because how do they know what you should be eating? How do they know what your life is like? And who are they to say you shouldn't be enjoying these foods? You may start to get a bit rebellious type thinking. That was me with the Weight Watchers, right? Where I just learned to cheat the system quite well, where you just like, okay, screw it. I'm not going to follow that because right now I just want to eat this food. Having these prescriptive approaches externally creates a lot of maladaptive behavior. And this is what I saw. And then on the flip side of the maladaptive behavior, it creates a whole lot of shame and guilt that keeps you stuck 
in eating off plan and not following through to your goals. So what I would see is physicians that had been told very fixed diet rules, don't eat this, don't eat that, only eat this tough. It worked for them. They felt they had lost weight. But then what happened is at some point they chose to eat other food. They chose to eat the food that they felt they weren't supposed to be eating. And I'm using air quotes for that. That then drove a lot of like shame and feelings of failure. Because I'm not allowed to eat this and I've now eaten it, I therefore have failed. And that created difficulty getting just back on track to the way of eating that was working for them, as well as it created more baggage that they then had to carry forward. It didn't build sustainability. What ended up happening is what I've seen over my career is a lot of people get tired of following the strict rules that somebody else has given them. And so then they stop doing them at some point. And here's the thing, if this has happened to you, is probably when you stopped doing it, you blamed yourself. You didn't blame the rules. You blamed yourself. And so while I was seeing this and working with people that were really down on themselves for making food decisions and seeing the impact of how getting down on themselves about making food decisions had on their future food decisions, I started to work on, okay, how else can we approach this? What's another way that we can think about our food that lets us not get into these cycles because these cycles slow us down? And at the same time, as I had been working on my own weight loss, I had developed a way of approaching my eating that didn't actually fit into somebody else's diet. And I had done this unintentionally, but I'd done it because I realized I had to figure out a way of eating that was going to work for me in my life, even if I'd been on call, even if we ate out, that I wanted spontaneity, I wanted flexibility, and I needed to figure out how to manage that in my own life. So I had naturally come to a way of approaching my eating that was more flexible, where how I think of myself is I generally eat low carb, but I'm somebody who eats low carb, who sometimes chooses to eat carbohydrates is how I sometimes label myself. Being strict keto or really strict low carb and saying I can never eat this stuff didn't work for me. When I did decide to eat carbs in special circumstances, made me feel like I was failing when I wasn't necessarily failing. Because here's the thing, you can have some stuff that doesn't help you towards your weight loss and it'll all be fine. You'll keep moving towards your weight loss. The problem is, is when you eat a lot of stuff or you totally switch back to old ways of eating, that's when it then slows down your weight loss. So what works long-term is not rigid prescriptive ways of eating. What works long-term is developing a way of eating that allows you whatever flexibility you need to have consistency long-term that allows you to reach your goals and stay there. So flexibility is very different from being perfect and being really careful. Flexibility allows it sometimes, just like I said for myself, sometimes you're going to eat food that doesn't help you towards your goals, but then you can flex back. It's not the same as a black and white thinking that's kind of the diet culture approach of either you're on plan or you're off plan, you're on the wagon, you're off the wagon. Flexibility means that the way you eat can shift and change slightly over time in different scenarios. And if you shift it towards foods that aren't helping you lose weight, you can just shift it back to the foods that do help you without making it be a big deal. So these are the things that I was kind of seeing happen and I was changing how I was coaching and I was changing how I was talking to myself about my own weight loss 
And I was changing how I was talking to my obesity medicine patients about their food choices. Instead of this is the diet you need to follow, I start talking more about whatever way of eating you follow needs to be the way you eat long term. You need to believe that you can do this for the rest of your life because that's what you need to do to maintain your weight loss. And that exact approach that's going to work for you as an individual is going to look different from other individuals. And that's okay. And so as I went along and as I've been coaching for more years, and definitely as I was revamping my coaching program to Thrive Academy for Physicians and redoing all the videos, it made me really have to solidify what do I believe in? What do I think is the most sustainable? What is it that I'm actually helping physicians do? And when I really summarize it, it's about rejecting diet culture. What I teach physicians to do and what I really believe we all should be doing is empowering ourselves to make our own decisions about our food, empowering ourselves to trust ourselves in our food decisions, empowering ourselves in creating experience of weight loss that we like, that works for us, that feels good, that makes our life better while we're reaching our weight loss goals. And if we don't know what those are right away, that's okay. Instead of just looking for an answer outside of us, which is what diet culture teaches us to do, what I believe is more important is that we look inside ourselves. And with help, with coaching, really helps with this to be like, okay, this is what I want to create in my life. I want to lose weight, but I want to do it in this way and I want to feel this way about it. How do I do that? How do I actually make that happen? That answer is never going to come from somebody outside of you. And I think that's the difference when we're talking about like what is coaching and weight loss versus what is just people who run diet programs. Diet programs just tell you what to do. Eat this, don't eat that, do this exercise, count these macros. That's a diet program. A coaching program helps guide you in figuring out what's going to work for you. How are you going to apply different recommendations to your life? Coaching is really about taking knowledge that you have and knowledge that I can share as your coach and really customizing it to your life. And what I love about this and why I wanted to do this episode is if you think about everything that you don't like about losing weight, like if you think about, okay, I need to lose weight and then all these dreads come up like, oh my gosh, I'm never gonna be able to eat the food I like or all this other stuff. Generally, that's all diet culture learning. That's the way we've been taught to lose weight since the 80s. And it doesn't feel good and it's not sustainable. That method of weight loss doesn't last. So if you take everything and if you brainstorm this, ask yourself this, what are all the stuff that you don't like about losing weight? What are the things you hate? What are the things that make you cringe? What are the things that make you worry about can you actually do it long term? What if you decided to not do any of it when you lose weight? What if you're like, you know what? I'm going to eat the food I like and figure out a way to fit it in. I'm not going to exercise for hours if I don't want to be exercising. Or here's what often happens as we're using a coaching approach is I'm going to work on how I'm thinking about these things to get myself to that place, but I'm going to do it in a way that's kind. So if exercise is something you really want to do, but you don't like it right now, it doesn't mean you never get to exercise. It means we really work on how you're thinking about the exercise, how you're approaching it to get yourself to a point where you actually want to do it and it works for you and it fits into your life. Same thing with food. If you're like, okay, I really like this particular food, but it doesn't help me with my weight loss and I get a lot of cravings when I eat it. Instead of saying I can never eat that food, we really work on, okay, why would you not want to eat that food? And working on coming up with a set of thoughts and belief systems that allow you to say no to that food most of the time. Again, no food is ever off 
bounds or out of bounds, or I don't think it ever should be, but where you can say no to that food most of the time and be okay with it. So what I'm talking about, and I talked about turning diet culture on its head is because all of these approaches are very different. They're far more nuanced than what we're taught in classic diet. And yet what they do is they make an approach to weight loss that feels so much better to you because it actually is customized for your preferences and in your life. And if it feels better for you, it will be more sustainable because as human beings, we do what we like to do. We do the things that make us feel good. We don't do the things that make us feel bad on a regular basis. We avoid those if we can. So working on developing a way that rejects the diet culture stuff of all the you should and can and you can'ts and approaching your weight loss from how can I customize this? How can I empower myself? How can I trust myself? How can I problem solve? All of these questions are rejecting the diet culture. How can I enjoy my body now before I even lose weight? That might also be a piece of rejecting diet culture. And I really believe the more time I spend working in obesity medicine and coaching physicians on weight is the more we reject diet culture, the more we reject outside forces telling us what to do about our weight, the better off we will be. The easier it'll be for us to reach our goals that we want to get, the easier it's going to be for us to stay there when we do get there. All right, I hope that was helpful for you to kind of see how I've come through and how things have changed and where all the experience that I've had over the past, I think it's more than six years now that I've been doing obesity medicine and about four years that I've been coaching. I'm hoping that it's just helped you see how we've ended up here at the place I'm talking about, like, let's thrive in our weight loss. Let's not just lose weight, but let's thrive in it. And it is possible for you. And not only is it possible, but you actually deserve to thrive. If you have any questions, send me an email at info at weightsolutionsforphysicians.ca. And if you could share this podcast episode with somebody or click on the follow button inside your podcast player so that you get all the new episodes downloaded, it really helps the podcast get found and I really appreciate it. If you are ready to take everything that we talk about in this program to the next level and you want more direct help, you want that customized higher level of support that I talk about, then come join me in Thrive Academy for Physicians. This is a physician-exclusive six-month coaching program where we go in-depth on everything weight-related, everything life-related to create that way of losing weight that you thrive in, that feels good for you, that makes your life better, and where you start to thrive in your own life too. And you can check out and get more information about that at thrivephysicians.ca. Have a fantastic week, guys. We'll talk to you later. Bye-bye.